With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You are now listening to NYY Sports Talk, a New York Yankees podcast. Find this episode on iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and SoundCloud. For live in-game Yankee updates, news, and fan giveaways, follow on Twitter at NYY Sports Talk. Now, let's talk Yankees baseball with Christian and Chris. Welcome back to the NYY Sports Talk Podcast. This is episode number 17. This is going to be round two of the Bronx Bummers. Today we will be dissecting the worst second baseman to play for the New York Yankees uh, since Joe Torre took control of the team. So it's just a little time frame. We're basically going 1996 on. Um Last week, in an overwhelming victory, Chris Carter is the going to be the starting first baseman. I overestimated. I said around 83%, but it was pretty close. 64. And uh, who? it was Johnson and Berkman, right? Yeah. And they they were virtually tied. They were virtually tied, but, you know, Carter just ran away with it, which we expected. Um, yeah, so... Uh, congratulations, Chris Carter. You're the starting first baseman of the Bronx Bummers. Today, how many uh, candidates do we have today for the second baseman? Six. Six second basemen. Second base was a lot more fun for yeah. me to put the list together. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't disagree because really. Until Robbie Cano got here, we really didn't have a steady right. second baseman. So it was a little bit, you had to dive in a little bit more. And I found some gems. Yeah, well, that's what you'll call them, but. <laughs> All right, so before we get into the Bronx Bummers segment for this week, um, Yankees continued their managerial search this week, interviewing three, uh, I'll use the word you use, gems. Uh, Aaron Boone, Hensley Mullins, and Chris Woodward. So uh, why don't you tell me how excited you are about that? The only positive thing I could think of if Aaron Boone is the manager of the Yankees is that when they're on Sunday Night Baseball, I don't have to listen to him anymore. But you'll just have to listen to him every other day of the week. Yeah. I was reading something earlier. Catch 22. I was reading something earlier today that apparently... Booney might have might be coming out of this round of interviews as the favorite. He apparently aced his interview. Really? Like the Yankees were beyond impressed with the way he handled himself. Really? Yeah. Did they hear him talk? I would hope so. What do you think? Was it like a silent interview? <laughs> like you just sign language to Cashman and Hal? Oh man. 
Chris Woodward. Who's worse, Eric Wedge or Chris Woodward? Definitely Chris Woodward. Woodward. See, Chris Woodward would be a candidate for the Bronx Bombers. When, I think he was a third baseman, but he got cut. He got cut that. before he even. Yeah, before he got in cut spring. in spring training. Yeah, and then I think he caught on with the Mets a little bit. What was that, 2008? Yeah, that's when the Yankees, he was with the Yankees in spring training. And he's a third base coach for who? Uh, the Dodgers. Dodgers. Now, is Mullins, I, he's the ben, is he the bench coach in San Francisco, or is he also a third base coach? I think he's the bench coach, but I don't know. Tell me, do you know anything about him? I don't know much about him. He was a huge bust as a Yankee. He came in, he was supposed to be a big-time prospect, and he never panned out. What position? Um, Sorry, I stumped you. I'm. Ch- I don't remember what position he was. Let's uh. Let's go. Isn't to... it funny how it's really not catcher oriented anymore? It used to. I mean, catchers used to have the upper hand, but it's not necessarily true anymore. Because catchers manage the game based on what they see in front of them. It's not how things are really operated anymore with the analytics. It's true. All right, here we go. Hensley Mullins. He is the Giants bench coach. Um, his nickname is Bam Bam. Girardi would have loved that. Uh, he's yeah, also, Bammy. He's a Dutch prof. He was a. He's from uh, the Netherlands, so uh, he's a. He country speaks man. like four languages. He's right? a countryman of Didi Gregorius. I don't know if that's uh, part of the reasoning behind this. Maybe. Uh, did he, uh... he debuted for the Yankees in August of 1989. Apparently, he hung around for nine years because his last major league appearance Still was... Still haven't answered my question. What? What position? Well, I'm getting there. You... <laughs> All right, here you want to hear his uh, stellar major league baseball player uh, resume here? Are you going to tell me the position? If when I find it. <laughs> was he on the coaching staff of the Netherlands? Uh... Yep. Oh, he was? So, yeah, maybe that's where he came into play. Maybe Didi threw a referral. He platooned in left field, it says, with Mel Hall. So, if you couldn't even beat Mel Hall. <laughs> All right, so here, Hensley Mullins, career 220 hitter, 15 home runs and 53 RBIs. He played with the Yankees from 1989 to 1993, and he came back after... Um, a three-year stint in Japan. He came back to play for the Expos in 97 and the Diamondbacks in 1998. So he's not exactly a superstar on the field. So probably better than Chris Woodward. I, you know, I Who's reporting that uh, that Boone nailed the interview? Uh, AaronBoone.com. <laughs> no, I forget. Somebody tweeted it. One of these writers... That are following the... That was like I went on a golf trip once in Delaware. And we played at Ed Oliver Golf Course. And my buddy kept saying to me, this is the best... This is the number one rated golf course in Delaware. So we got there and we started playing it. And it was one of the worst courses I ever played on. And I was like, who rated this number one? Where did you see that? He's like, it was right on the website. at Oliver.com. <laughs> So it says here that Mullins was the manager in 2009 and 2013 for the Dutch team in the World Baseball Classic. Um, so once again, we're really leaving everyone 
I don't know what to say. Like, I, I, we come on here, we're like, let's talk about the manager search, but like, I don't even know what to say at this point. Like, because you, we don't know anything. No one knows anything. They've conducted five interviews, and we're really no closer to hiring a manager. We don't know if the Yankees are going to interview anybody else. They don't have anything scheduled. This was the last round that I heard of. I haven't been able to confirm or anybody's been really been able to confirm that they're interviewing anybody else. I mean, apparently Cashman had said at one point that he had over 20 candidates on his uh, radar and they interviewed five of them because someone, someone asked me the other day, they're like, who do you think is the leading candidate? I'm just like, I have no idea. I have no clue. I couldn't even give you an educated guess as to who is going to be the next Yankee manager. Did we feel this way when Tory was wasn't resigned? Did we have some type of an idea that Girardi was going to be the leading candidate? Girardi and Mattingly, you knew it was going to be one of those two guys. Who else did they interview? I think Tony Pena. Yeah, well, I knew that. I think there was only three interviews that they did. Really? Yeah. But you knew and you knew in going into two thousand and eight that the Yankees had it or when did they hire him? Late two thousand seven, uh yeah, into two thousand eight. But for the two thousand eight season, you knew that they wanted either Girardi or Mattingly to be the manager. They had a plan in place. It's just like there seems to be no plan in place right now. And several people have said that that it was just they just wanted to get rid of Girardi and it didn't matter really who the manager was they was just going to figure that out later that's why you're getting guys like hensley i don't mean to be disrespectful to these guys but you're going to come in and be the manager in new york yankees what's your track record but my that's my point it's like what is cashman sitting down and basing his candidates off of who can smile and nod the fastest honestly like let's be that's real that's it Puppets. What has Chris Woodward ever done on a baseball field that you feel comfortable that he can manage the New York Yankees? Christian, I barely remember his name. Hensley Mullins. What has he ever done? He's the bench coach of the San Francisco Giants. He was on their coaching staff when they won their last three World Series. Does that mean that he can translate into a World Series managing a manager? Maybe, but you you got arguably one of the best managers of all time. Managing that team, yeah, Bruce. Bucci. How how much does a bench coach really even play into that success? You know, out of everybody that's been interviewed, why not Rob Thompson? Rob Thompson. I honestly, the more names I hear, the more I'm leaning towards Rob Thompson. The more I want him to get the job. Why does Aaron Boone even deserve an interview? And if you told me I would say that a few weeks ago, I'd tell you you were crazy. I'd rather have Thompson. being He's been in, in the organization for 28 years. You're pulling Aaron Boone out of the ESPN booth to be your manager? And neither one of us are that impressed with anything he has to say anyway. He sounds like he doesn't know one thing about the and game. And apparently game. he's had the best interview so far. So that either means we really underestimated Aaron Boone or the other four guys are just complete <laughs> friggin' morons. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's where we can leave you guys. We don't know much more than that, and I don't think anybody does. Now, here's an interesting name. Uh, Carlos Beltran. Did we talk about this last week? Did he announce his retirement after we did the podcast last no, week? No, I think we just didn't mention it. I think we talked about it briefly. Maybe we didn't. Apparently, I don't know, oh, but... 
Here's the thing with Beltron, right? You read something that said the Yankees wouldn't show interest. That they weren't interested necessarily in him being the manager, but maybe some type of coach yeah. or something. I read something last night that was a recent article that Cashman or Steinbrenner came out and said, no, we would be interested in Beltran as, as the manager of this team. Okay, I'll tell you right now, if he shows interest back, he could be the top guy. Now, Carlos Beltran has gone on record as saying he wants to manage in the major leagues one day, and it would be an but honor does to he want manage to do it for this... the New York Yankees. And but I no, know... he didn't put a, co- a timetable on it. Maybe he does want to take a year away from like playing. Like, you're retiring right now. You want to be home with your family for a while. And I know these opportunities aren't are, you know, don't come by every day. But you have to imagine within the next four or five you know, to 10 years, the opportunity is going to arise again for him to take some time away from the game and to come back. But, you know, he's got to make that decision. That's a tough decision. Here's my problem with um, what somebody was saying about Beltron earlier is that you hire, or I heard this somewhere, you hire him to be a manager and waiting. Why? Why are you going to bring in a guy that's just going to hold the table until somebody else is ready? You got rid of Joe Girardi. The next guy's got to come in here, especially where this team is at, and be the next guy to be here another 10 years. Why am I bringing in a guy that I'm going to fire in two years? Because now you just wasted two but years. listen, you're not going to hire a guy and just say, yeah, he's probably not going to pan out, but... But don't you get that feeling from the guys that they're hiring? Yes. But I said this to you, and I'll say it again. I think the Yankees want that right now. They want to see if the manager even really matters at this point. They want to see what this team's going to do next year because they're not going to hire Carlos Beltran and then this team flops because then what are all of us going to say? What are all the fans going to say? We're going to say, okay, he sucks. He's got to go. This team made it to Game 7 of the ALCS last year against the best team in baseball. And now they don't even make it past the wildcard game. They didn't even win the division. They couldn't even make it out of the ALDS this year. This guy's a bust. You're not going to do that to a guy like Carlos Beltran. You're going to do that to a guy like Chris Woodward. It's just, to me, it just sounds like you're, gonna, you're setting your organization up for failure. But my point is, do they even see that much of an importance... In the managerial role at this point. Well, you know, when you're going to get rid of Joe Girardi after you did. It's been said time and time again, and I might have said it at some point. You can use your analytics to beat the Tampa Bay Rays in July. You cannot use your analytics to beat the Houston Astros in October. I agree. Because are your analytics going to tell you when to pull your starting pitcher? No. Or when to, or if you need to pinch hit for somebody? No, and I think that's where Joe got caught up. Because this guy over the last eight years, nine years, he was a binder. And they they pumped his brain with analytics. And when it came down to him making a gut decision, he was uncomfortable. Look at that challenge. Look at that challenge. What happened? Joe freaked out because he didn't have evidence of it. So he just didn't go with his gut and challenge it because that's instilled in him at this point. 
Yeah, and what do you? It's going to be even worse with I the know. next guy. I know. That's why you just have to have faith in this team. That's why you can't focus too much on who the manager is going to be. You have to focus on the talent that's that's on this team and what these guys are capable of, regardless of, of who's the manager. That's my take on it. That's why I don't get too emotionally attached to this interview process. It's not that important to me. If the Yankees were an 81-win team last year and didn't make the playoffs and you wanted to to piss away the next manager, I could be okay with that. But they were just a game away from going to the World Series. This guy has to do that. you got to put somebody in there that can but, at least get me that but far. Listen, at that point, if you're going to go with your logic, the only answer is Joe Girardi. The guy who took this team there when they weren't supposed to be there. I've been saying it for months now. Yeah, I know. so have I. <laughs> so clearly that logic is out the window. All right. We got other things to talk about yeah. today. I mean, it's like beating a dead horse with this with this managerial process. The only thing worse than the Yankees trying to find a manager is watching the Giants. <laughs> It's currently six six right now as we're recording. So this stop is, getting this has been stop a, getting distracted by the game behind me. Barn burner of a football game. Stop getting distracted by the game behind me. I'm not. I'm still talking to you. Um. So can I get into my next point? I just want to touch on it real quick. Do you have anything else to say about this idiotic managerial process? Christmas Day, we wake up. Do the Yankees have a manager? Yes. I believe so. I believe within three weeks from now, we know who the manager is. I don't see them truly interviewing 26 guys. I see them interviewing maybe a handful more over the next few weeks. And yeah, by Christmas Day, I think we do have a manager. Do you think that the manager is among the five that they interviewed so far? Or is there somebody going to take an interview in the next week or two that we're not even thinking about? Unless Beltron takes an interview... I think one of the guys they've interviewed so far gets the job. And out of those five, Rob Thompson's my favorite. Yes. I couldn't say that he's the leading candidate. I don't know. Couldn't even give you an educated guess. He's my favorite. I would rather, and this is the last thing I'll say about this, Thompson was the bench coach the last couple of years. I'd just rather move him up another seat and then bring somebody else in here that might not know what the hell they're doing at least Thompson knows the players. He knows the organization. Let let him let him run the show for right now. We're at a critical point in this team's history. Like, I don't think people get that. Yeah, yet last year was supposed to be year one of the rebuilding process, but they but they already they accelerated their timetable by two or three years by how they performed last right. year. So you can't take a step back next year. I agree. All right, all right. I just want to touch on this briefly because it's been brought up. There's been some back and forth banter on the Twitter at NYY Sports Talk. Give us a follow um, on the Twitter about Chad Green because the Yankees made an announcement that their plans moving forward with him coming into spring training is that they want him to be a starting pitcher. They're not giving up on that vision yet. Here's why I don't care for that. Thought processes. When you said that, I rolled my eyes. I know no one can see me, but I wanted to make it clear that I rolled my eyes when you said that. Well, 
here's my take on it, right? Who's the last guy that went into the bullpen was dominant, and then the Yankees said, we still want him to be a starting pitcher. That's a trampoline, man. No, it's not. Who? Who was the last guy who was dominant out of the bullpen? They didn't want to give up on him. Who, Phil Hughes? Oh, my God. Now, who are you talking about? Who was the third leading candidate for AL Cy Young? Oh, Seve? Yeah. And guess what? It panned out. And they didn't give up on him. But there's a big difference between Luis Severino and Chad Green. Now, Sever, um, Sever, sorry, Sever, um, Chad Green never showed the type of stuff that Severino showed exactly. as a starter. And Chad Green's stuff is better as a reliever where you could say that Severino's stuff was probably on the same plane. But here's the thing, right? Yeah. When Sevy was in the bullpen, he wasn't... Even with as good of stuff as he had, he wasn't effective as a starting pitcher the way they wanted him to be. And the reason because the reason behind that is because they wanted him to work on his changeup. So even with the stuff that he had Oh, he was awful last year too as a starter. He just in sixteen. That would be last year. Yeah. This pad would Right. Yeah. Right. They needed him to come up with that third pitch and be dominant with it. Sevy is more of a guy who is going to take his fastball and paint the corners with it and then throw a change up, a curve, whatever, an off-speed pitch, and that's his out pitch. But here's the thing about Severino versus Green. People expect it and had him pegged as an ace of a staff. Chad Green's like a third or fourth starter. Exactly. And... That's why, as a starting pitcher, he was average at best. And the reason why he was so dominant in the bullpen is because he stopped having to rely on all of his stuff. Why? Because his fastball went from being 94 miles an hour to 98 miles an hour. How often did he even throw a slider Right. as a reliever? He just beat guys on his Listen, fastball. Listen, his slider wasn't like Severino anymore, where Severino's using that as an out pitch. Now, all of a sudden, Chad Green was using that as a setup pitch, and his fastball became his out pitch. His fastball at the chest, out of the zone, guys swinging under it, that became his out pitch. He doesn't have that when he's a starting pitcher. When you go out there as a relief pitcher, you're putting everything on the line. When you go out there as a starter, you need stamina. You need to go out there, and you need to make sure that by the fifth inning, you're not burnt out. By the fourth inning. You reserve some of that. And when Chad Green reserves any of it, he's not as effective, not even close, as he is in the bullpen. I just don't understand why we want to take away from a position of strength on this team right now. And my and my second point behind it is, I could see if the Yankees didn't have pitching prospects that were working their way up. And they weren't going to have a solid rotation next year. Chad Green is not going to make this rotation better. He's going to make this bullpen better. He can be considered top five best relief pitchers of this past year. All right, so let's take a look at the rotation. Not, no, I'm not going to include Sabathia right now because he's not currently under contract. So you got Sonny Gray, Tanaka, um, Jordan Montgomery, Severino, S- Severino, and then question mark probably CeCe. If so not, why do you need Chad Green? 
why do you need Chad Green? What's the reason for they taking him out of the... If they don't sign Sabathia, then do you look at it differently? No. No, I don't. So if they bring in some jerk like uh, Jaime Garcia to be the fifth starter, you don't think that maybe they should have tried to... Jaime Garcia pitching every five days, but me having Chad Green as a weapon like I did in 2017 is better for this team than Chad Green being a mediocre starting pitcher just like Jaime Garcia would be every five days and not having him out of the bullpen. I mean, realistically, as a starting pitcher, from what he's shown us, how much better is Chad Green than Jaime Garcia? No, it's... uh... Enough that it's worth taking him out of the bullpen for what he did for us out of the bullpen? Is it worth risking that? No, uh, I probably wouldn't. Exactly. So none of it makes sense. If Chad Green was supposed to be this dominant ace that they didn't want to give up on, like you said, that's but a different story. He was, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like That was never what he was pegged to be. He was supposed to come in here and be a back-end-of-the-rotation guy. And when he pitched, he, he had back-end-of-the-rotation type stuff. He could be a 4-5 or five starter on a major league staff. He could maybe even peak as a... As a third starter on a major league staff, but you're talking about a guy that was as dominant as anybody in the bullpen last It's almost year. like he got by as a starting pitcher and you were just like, ah, it's Chad Green. And then all of a sudden he came out of the bullpen and you were like, oh, this is where this guy belongs. Severino, yeah, you kind of felt that, but from what you heard about Severino, his biggest role was going to be as a starting pitcher and the Yankees were right. Not once have I heard that Chad Green was supposed to be a game changer as a starting pitcher. You haven't really heard much about Chad Green at all because he's never wowed anybody until this past year. So that's my take. My whole thing is why are we going to relive Jabba Chamberlain again? That's that's Every time the Yankees do this, that's all I can ever think about. And that kid could have been special if they just left him in the bullpen. He was for he a while. He was. He, I mean, he was the hottest thing to come up for the Yankees and since... I mean, think about this, right? How we feel about Judge. We didn't feel nearly as close about that with Jabba, like that with Jabba. But when Jabba came up, like you were just saying, we didn't have that. We were excited about this. This was someone we heard about for a while. He came up and he was exactly what we expected. And then it was ruined. So he, once they experimented with him with the Jabba rules, and he can only pitch it, it just—he was done. He was a flash in the pan, and he could have been so much more. So you already know what you got with Chad Green, and like you said, you already got four starter spots filled for next year. So why not see if you can maybe, you know, bring if CC comes back, you, your rotation set, and then you can have a guy like Sessa or Brian Mitchell. Be uh oh god I, I almost threw up when I said that but <laughs> to be your organizational depth or you know bring in a bring in a veteran like a not saying Jaime Garcia but a guy like that to compete for to be your long man slash six starter or you got Adam you still got Adam Warren you know there's other options it's just not worth taking that weapon out of the bullpen 
if he was mediocre this year, if he was another uh, Adam Warren, who I'm not discrediting, I think Adam Warren's good, but he's still a take him or leave him type guy. If you were going to tell me you were going to try and make Adam Warren a starter for next year, I'd be like, okay, you, you know, our bullpen can handle him as a starting pitcher. But Chad Green is just a different story. This guy was dominant. He wasn't just good. He was fantastic. He was almost unhittable. I agree. It's you can't um... touch him. And I and I honestly I don't think the Yankees are gonna. I really don't. I think he's in the bullpen next year. Alright, so let's move along here. Speaking of hype around guys coming up out of the Yankees farm system, the nineteen ninety six rookie of the year, Derek Jeter um, making some news as the owner of the uh, Miami Marlins now, mm-hmm. looking to trade his MVP, the 2017 MVP of the National League, is Mike, St- I always want to call him Mike, John Carlos Stan. And it appears that Stan's going to get moved. I and- think the direct statement wasn't, yeah, we're looking to trade Stan. It was more of, we can't guarantee that he'll be here next year. Wouldn't you say that about your superstar player? I know. You're looking to move I know. And I'm not saying... I'm just saying they're not sitting there going, no, he needs to go. Uh, but they're clearly actively in talks. And from what we're hearing, the Yankees might have a legitimate chance of landing him. All right. So there's, this is why I wanted to bring this up today. There's several different ways you could look at this. Um... He's got a he's got a massive contract. He's still what oh like two ten years and three hundred million dollars or something like that. Yeah. And he's got a no trade clause. It's already said that he wouldn't want to go to Boston. So you think and St. Louis, huh? And St. Louis. So what makes you think he wants to come to New York? Because he never said he wouldn't. <laughs> Who doesn't want to play in pinstripes? Who doesn't want to play? I mean, if you're a baseball player, why wouldn't you want to play for the Red Sox? Who doesn't want to hit after? Or before Aaron Judge. So if we look at we look, let's look at it let's look at it like I wanted to bring this point up like how do you think Major League Baseball would react? You know all the conspiracy theorists and Yankee haters out there. If Derek Jeter's first big move as the Miami Marlins owner is to trade John Carlos Stanton in your game, oh, forget <laughs> it. It would be an uproar. But you know what? From what again, from what we've been hearing, the hang up is gonna come down to the Yankees are trying to pay as little of that contract as possible and to substitute money with top prospects. Which you have to do. I would rather pay in prospects than pay in money. Because think about it like this. You're gonna have to hand out that maybe three or four of those types of contracts if you're gonna try to keep this team together. Right. Sanchez is gonna demand money. Aaron Judge is going to demand money. If Bird can prove to be healthy, he's going to demand money. And you're going to have to pay. If Severino is going to continue like this, you're going to have to pay him too. Hey, and this could be a, a beautiful trade to throw Delm Batances into. Tell me the Marlins couldn't benefit from a guy like Batances? So you have to look at it like if the Yankees are going to make this move, where's Stanton playing? DH. He's going to DH for you? Yeah. Where else is he? 
You're not is Stanton as good of a fielder as Aaron Judge? No, I don't think so. I mean, he's got a cannon, but I think Judge is a much better right fielder than. And you know what? It's going to be good too because you can start giving Judge more days where he can maybe DH. And guess what? You're the one that doesn't want to arrest anybody. Now you want to arrest a 25 year old. When you're putting him in as a DH and throwing Giancarlo Stanton in right field, yeah, I'm fine with it. Yeah. No. I don't know. So think about it like this: What would it? What in prospects do you think it would take to get Stanton on this team? Oof. Yeah, I would think Cliff the, Frazier the, has to be in that deal. It, it's going to be the prospects that have hung up every trade since we've acquired them. All right. So then, in that case, why are you Florio. making a deal? You're not. <laughs> You're not. If you don't, that's why I said this is what the hangup is. You don't need John Carl Stanton. No. It's but, not going to happen. But you can dream. <laughs> you can dream that you you're going to put John Carlos. A... You're going to. You're going to. If you put John Carlos Stanton in this lineup, you're going to have three guys that should hit you forty home. Maybe even a fourth that could hit you forty home runs every year. Just say these names in a row: Bird, Judge, Stanton, Sanchez, Didi. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Hicks, Castro. We... Would you put Justice Sheffield, would you put the Cleveland package back together, say Sheffield and Frazier and maybe two other widely regarded prospects to get Stanton here? I don't know. I don't, I just don't know. I have someone in my family who's a top scout for a major league team and he scouted Clint Frazier when he was in high school. And he said, I'm not saying he's going to be Mike Trout, but... He has the capabilities of being the next Mike Trout. Well, when he got traded here, that's what the scouting report was. He On a low end, he would be Will Myers. Right. And that's what the, he told me. And on the high end, he'd be Mike Trout. Exactly. So, do you really want to give up on a guy like that? But you're getting a. But then you're also getting John Carl Stanton. <laughs> yeah. My right. hang up is that you would have to put in probably Justice Sheffield in this deal. <clears throat> the only reason I would possibly trade these guys is because the Yankees showed you already that they're right there. So this whole rebuilding process is kind of over where if they tapped out as like a wild card team and that was really all they did, you'd say, yeah, maybe this team needs a couple more years before they get back to the world series. And you're going to wait for guys like Frazier and Sheffield to pan out. But right now they were right there. They were at the edge and if you're that close now, why wait? Why wait for what's going to come in a couple of years? If you're that close, why not go all in? Because you get Stanton here, you're going to have a team for the next five years that you know is going to be the best team, is going to be the team to beat. Whether it pans out or not, anyone who plays the New York Yankees is going to be scared to play the New York Yankees. That lineup, will, it's going to be impossible to pitch to them without John Carl Stanton. And then if they have John Carl Stanton. Yeah. So so that's my only argument for it is that the time is right now. So any guy who we got here to be ready in a couple years, if they're not ready right now, then they're kind of a, a waste for us because we know we're right there. 
We just need that one extra piece to take us back home. And Stanton is obviously, for any team that has this kind of a lineup, that piece. I don't really, I'd be very, very surprised if a trade got done with him, with the Miami Marlins and the Yankees for him. Because again, like you said, is Jeter and the Miami Marlins ownership just going to give him away, take um, take prospects back, but still pay the $300 million? No, I can't see that happening. I can't no. see the Yankees taking on that type of contract because if they said, so if Cash said, I'll take the contract, but I'm going to give you X, Y, and Z and not A, B, and C, why would Miami do that? you got to get something you can sell sell your fan base on if you're Miami, right? Right. And so I, I just don't, I just can't see a fit ever happening. But it is interesting that there has been at least a little back and forth between the Yankees and the Marlins over maybe something potentially happening. Yeah. Maybe just raising the price on other teams also. Because Cashman says it doesn't matter who it is, whether I really want him or not. If I know somebody's on the market, I'm going to inquire and see maybe if it even if it could make sense for my team. So right. it could just basically be that. And the Yankees have said, no, nah, it doesn't make any sense. And they've moved on. But geez, when you're talking about a guy to hit 50, what did he hit? 56, yeah. 56 home runs and pairing him with a guy to hit 52 home runs. I mean, you get, you, you kind of have to get a, get a little excited about yeah, that. Maybe possibly do. happen as a fan. He wouldn't be doing his job if he wasn't in the talks. In a job that he's working on a handshake agreement with. Yeah. I wouldn't trust my boss. Too. <laughs> but anyway. All right. So speaking of the MVP, we'll just say this in passing. The little rat. I'm sorry. Jose Altuve won the American League MVP uh, in a landslide. Which I don't agree with, but I thought it was disgusting how much he won by. I thought it was utterly disgusting. Because... Stanton won by two points over Votto, finished second. And he got 27 Altuve, 27 of 31st place votes. Judge got two, and Jose Ramirez got one. So, to the guy that voted Jose Ramirez over Judge and Altuve, like, just leave your press credentials at the right. door. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from uh, Jose Ramirez, but geez, if you thought he was the best player in the American League last year over those two you're, guys, you're blind. You're just trying to be different. You're trying to be an outcast at that point. And here's one thing I'll say, though. I think you're going to be mad at me. Someone asked me a question last night, and it made me realize why Jose Altuve won the MVP. And that sometimes it's not always just about the numbers that you see in front of you. I'm going to ask you the question, and you give me your honest answer. Mm -hmm. Runners on second, bases loaded, or whatever. Runner on third, whatever you want to say. Two outs, game on the line. Who do you want up at the plate? I need a run. Yeah. Who do you want up at the plate? Oh, this goes back to what I was talking about with a, with a follower of ours. Jose Altuve is a better hitter than Aaron Judge. Who's going to be more likely to make contact in that spot to drive in a run is Jose Altuve. Right. So, you know, those are things we don't see in numbers. 
where, you know, how many guys is Jose Altuve moving over because he's not striking out as much and putting in scoring position and not really getting credited for? And that question alone made me realize how valuable a guy like Altuve really is. I never said he wasn't valuable. Oh, no, I know that. But that question alone made me think, why would I want Judge over Altuve if when the game's on the line, I'm picking Jose Altuve? I'm not saying I'm I'm going against that I wanted Judge to win, and I think he absolutely could have won. But I'm starting to realize why Altuve was the MVP. Uh, still doesn't mean I think it should have been that much of a landslide. I, I thought that was absolutely ridiculous. I thought it was a, a disgusting thing that he only earned two first place votes. A guy with 52 home runs. A guy who had 28 more RBIs and you know, 16 more runs scored, or whatever it was. You know? So, I thought it should have been neck and neck at least. It's just funny that the way the voting went down is that the, the big-time slugger won in the Amer- in the National League, but he, he didn't win in the American League. Yeah. When Votto, I think, was... You know, made it had made it had a better statistical season than Altuve, but it's different guys voting for the different awards. So than I mean, Stanton, you mean? What? That he had a better statistical year than Stanton? No, Altuve. Oh, you're saying so he should have won? Um, no, I'm just saying though. If you think about it, Altuve was Altuve and Votto were more comparable, and Stanton and Judge were more comparable. Right. So if you're gonna vote for Stanton. Theoretically, you should be voting for judge. But again, like we said, it's different voters for different awards. So, you know, you could see how maybe it went differently. But still, personally, <coughs> I that's that's what really killed me. And as you said, it that he just it was a blowout. It just it really to me discredited the writers because I just unless you're going into this. With just your mind made up, no matter what, when Judge hit that slump, that he was out of this and he didn't deserve it, you know, you're not taking it full picture. You're not really looking at what Judge did. If you're going to be that lopsided and go right in and vote first place for Altuve. It's over with. He won. Congratulations to Jose Altuve. You're the American League MVP. But... Again, that's what I would like to know. I would like to hear from one person that voted for Jose Altuve over Aaron Judge. Why, in your mind, he was the MVP? I just want to know the thought process. Was it that Aaron Judge struck out 200 times? Was it that he slumped for six weeks? Or was it that Jose Altuve just, he carried himself at at the same plane for the entire season? Do the list of writers get posted? Yeah. Okay. All right, I'm going to find that list. I'm going to see if I can get a writer to talk with us and admit that he voted Altuve and give us his... It doesn't have to admit it. It's it's published. Oh, who voted for who? The ballots are published. And oh, I didn't know that. For, yeah. Wow. All right. Can we get into the 
So those guys are not bums. Well, Jose Altuve is a bum, but a different kind of bum. So now it is the segment you've all been waiting for. Who will join Chris Carter on the Bronx Bummers team? It's time to dissect the worst second baseman in the last 20 years of the New York Yankees. So why don't you... uh, I'm going to run down the list. Why don't you give us the nominees? All right, I'm going to give the nominees, and then we'll break down the numbers. Steven Drew, obvious. Winner. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Brian Roberts, Enrique Wilson, who we were talking about this. People don't realize why is he in our second base bum segment. In 2004, he played 80 games at second base. So, Yankees have him listed as a second baseman. Chuck Knobloch. For strictly defensive purposes, um, that we'll dissect. Andy Fox, who 99% of the people are going to be like, who the hell's Andy Fox? And Nick Green, who was just one of those, please get him off this team type bums. Um, so we're going to start with Steven Drew, obviously, right? Because he's the first bum, I think, that comes to everybody's mind. 177 games played, 523 at-bats with the Yankees. He hit 20 home runs, 59 RBIs, and this is the stat that that shocked me. A 187 batting average. Oh, he was horrendous that one year. I forget. What, what years was he here? I don't know. Listen, the only thing you can say about Steven Drew was that defensively he was a very great second baseman. Or, you know, shortstop. He 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 played short for the Red Sox, no? Yeah, he moved positions when he came to the yeah. Yankees. He was great defensively, and you can't take that away from him. But, I mean, these numbers, 523 at-bats, 59 RBIs, batted 187. So I don't know what I was looking at before. Before we came, we started recording. I was, I thought Miguel Cairo was the starting second baseman in two thousand and four, but here I must have been looking at something different because here it says he only played seventeen games at second. You're talking about the Enrique Wilson, yeah. Now he played eighty games, yeah. Um, so Stephen Drew, our obvious top candidate, I think. We'll dissect Brian Roberts. 91 games, 317 at-bats, 21 RBI, a two thirty-seven batting average, and a guy that was brought here to get on base and to make things happen only had a three hundred on on-base percentage. Awful. Enrique Wilson, 264 games played, 579 at-bats, only 69 RBIs, 12 home runs, a 261 on base percentage. Any ready for his batting average? Mm-hmm. 216. Who's this? Enrique Wilson. What is negative 5.2 war? I know. Negative 5.2. So I don't put much stock in war, but when it's that far bad. deep into the negative, that's bad. Next is Chuck Knobloch. Like we said, this is based on his defense. So I'm going to break down defensively, and hopefully you can follow along. In 1998, in 696 chances, he made 13 errors with a 981 fielding percentage. MLB average was 980. 
good defensive year. Then we kick into 1999. 705 chances, 26 errors, a 963 fielding percentage. MLB average, 981. 2000, 354 chances. This is all at second base, by the way. 15 errors, a 958 fielding percentage. MLB average, 981. So, within those few years, the cumulative Major League Baseball average in fielding percentage was 981. Chuck Knobloch, 967. Awful. And it made me want to go even deeper into 1999. I took only guys who played at least 50 games at second base. Yeah. I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. He was 37th out of 38 guys in all of Major League Baseball in fielding percentage. That's how bad that 963 is. Yeah, because it, it doesn't sound... If you don't know what Major League average is supposed to be, it doesn't sound bad. That's why I had to get the average. It's atrocious um, for a position that you have a guy there for defense. So, yeah, offensively he was decent, not great, but it's really, I I don't know if I just said defensively, offensively he was decent, not great, defensively awful, bum, that's why he's on the list. And Chuck Knobloch is the type of guy, this is really the reason why I had to get so deep into the stats. He's a guy that, unless you really watched him play, I mean, how many balls did he throw into the stands? Uh, I mean, it was the, like the one that you felt like every time the ball he hit Keith Olbermann's mom in the World Series. <laughs> it felt like every time you got the ball, you were cringing because you thought he was going to throw it twenty feet over the first baseman's head. And then that play when he drops the ball at first, or the ball's rolling by him, and he's pointing at it and yelling at the umpire that this should have been called an interference and. All the while, the run scoring, and he's just sitting there like an idiot. That puts you in the bum category just based off of that alone. <sighs> and then our next two guys who are kind of just throwaway had to add a couple guys. I don't think they're serious candidates. Andy Fox, 135 games played, 259 at-bats. 14 RBI, 3 home runs. 200 batting average and a 290 on base percentage. Awful. Worthless. And then Nick Green, 46 games played, 75 at-bats, 2 home runs, 4 RBI, 240 batting average, and a 296 on base percentage. Again, atrocious, but they're not as significant as those top four guys. So, that being said... What are your thoughts? All right, before I answer your question, I do want to clarify something that Miguel Cairo did play 113 games at second base in 2004. I don't know what the hell I was looking at before, but I the original number that I saw was correct. You're not that tech savvy like when it comes to the internet. Shut your mouth. I have to remind you that like Google exists. Why don't you Google the nearest hospital because that's where you're going to wind <laughs> up in a minute. And there's another guy that I wanted to I wanted to check something on. We omitted him from the official list, so even if he do, he is worthy, we'll just ignore it and 
but I did want to check on this. Um, let's see here. Who? Tony Womack. In 2000, in, he played a career, uh, he played 24 games as a Yankee in second base, and then they decided he was going to be an outfielder, and he played 66 games in the outfield. So kind of stinks that he's going to be in our outfield segment. He was because bum. remember, he was the guy that got Robinson Cano called up. Right. So I, well, he didn't play enough games to really, yeah. and he played a majority of his Yankee career as an outfielder. So if we're going to bum him up, we're going to bum him up bum with him the, the outfielders. Outfield. I just remember that. I was like, how, how is this guy's a <laughs> career second baseman? He was brought here to be a second yeah. baseman, and now he's going to play the outfield. And there's a reason why he only played well, half. Chuck Knobloch ended up going into the outfield too. So let's start with Stephen Drew for you. Yes, a definite, right? Stephen Drew, who the one I want to look up. I want to look this up because the one season his power numbers were really good. Well, he had twenty home runs as a Yankee, but he hit like one eighty or something. Right, that one year that he was. Do you not listen when I talk? You're you're too you're too distracted. He hit 187 as a Yankee. In 2014, <coughs> remember, that was 2014. Remember when they traded him for, oh my God, what was that loser's name? Kelly Johnson. Did they trade him for Kelly Johnson? They traded him to, to Boston for Kelly Johnson, yeah, I right? Yeah, so. And then and he hit 150 that year. Jesus. He came over at the trade deadline. And then in a full season in 2015, he hit 201 <laughs> with 17 homers and 44 runs batted in. Not terrible. 17 home runs isn't bad. But yeah, I but mean, bum. Oh, he's on. definitely my top three. All right. Brian Roberts. Unfortunately, yes. Because we love Brian Roberts. I was always a big fan of Brian Roberts. But a two thirty seven batting average, the on-base percentage is what really gets me. 300 on-base percentage. He came here as a shell of himself. He was here the, He was here to be the second baseman after Robbie Cano signed with Seattle. Yeah. Now, Enrique Wilson, you can make a good argument for. Because of the 216 batting average in a significant amount of at bats. And I actually felt bad for Roberts. He got DFA'd that year. Yeah. I, and that was it. He was done. He never Do played. Do you remember again. when he broke his arm against the Yankees? <clears throat> that was bad. Was that Bubba Crosby that I was running remember. down the line? Maybe. That was really bad. Um, the only argument I have with Wilson is like, you didn't expect him to do anything. He was a guy off the bench. The year he he had significant playing time, it wasn't like, hey, Wilson's supposed to be our guy, so he better come through. You never thought of him as a bum because you never really expected anything out of him. I just him feel anyway. like the names of the first baseman are a lot sexier than the ones we got this week. I don't I don't know, man, because people are pretty passionate about Stephen Drew and oh, Brian cool. Roberts. See, Stephen Drew I could see, but I I'm, I have to, in good conscience, put Brian Roberts on the list, but I very reluctantly because, like I said, I was always a fan of his when he was a, when he was with the Orioles, and he he was just he just didn't have anything left when he was here. I think can we say we can eliminate Andy Fox and Nick Green? 
Who? Andy Fox and Nick Green. Again, who? Yeah. Okay. They're so insignificant anyway. It's not like they tried to keep Nick Green here for a couple of years. He came here for half a season and they were done with him. He did have a couple he did have a two home run <coughs> game against the Mets on Sunday night baseball. Okay. Still a bum. <laughs> uh, so remember though, last week I can tell I told you I can probably give you one memory I have of anybody who's played for the Yankees since '96. Yeah, that's what I remember. He had him and A. Rod. I think they had a combined four home runs on a Sunday night game against the Mets at Yankee Stadium, and everybody was like, "Yeah, Nick Green," and then it was just <laughs> boo. <laughs> that was his peak. All right, the big one is Chuck Knobloch because offensively he, he doesn't belong on the list. But he was such a bum at second base, man. Such a bum. Those numbers are atrocious for a guy who's supposed to be your guy. So if Aaron Judge had 18 errors in the right field this year, would you put him on a bums list because he hit 52 home runs? Would you eliminate? Excuse me. Chuck Knobloch's offensive stats were not through the roof. But I'm just saying, though, like, where do you draw the line on the defense overrides what you did offensively to be on the bums list? Because these guys, everybody we're putting on on these lists so far, it's because if Aaron all- Judge hit thirty home runs, and you know had a significant amount less of RBIs and runs scored, and every time he got the ball in right field, he would botch it or throw it over the cutoff man's head, or what felt like almost every time, you can make the argument that maybe Aaron Judge shouldn't be in the outfield. Chuck Knobloch wasn't going to be a DH. He he did DH once in a while, but at that time, he was your guy at second base. I feel like didn't at one point he became the everyday DH because Joe yeah, Torrey just could so, yeah. not put him in the field anymore. So, I mean, a guy who was supposed to be here to be, you know, the player that everyone thought he was. And in 98, he was that guy. He was really good with the Twins. And then he comes here in 98. Like I said, he had a good year. But defensively after that, he just fell apart to a point where he was at the bottom of the list in fielding percentage. That's bad. Your everyday second baseman can't make a play. There's 36 guys better at a 38 that could field better than your starting second baseman. I just think because the other guys that we're talking about are are so insignificant <coughs> that you need to throw a big name in there that to throw a big name in there and because his be a little controversial controversial again read a book learn a word thank you an idiot you are learn how to use the internet i know how to use the internet no, you don't. yes i do how did you find this google yeah google Ever heard of it yeah I have heard of Google. I type in how to kill your best friend and get away with it. <laughs> Little false police department. Yep. Calling him. Anyway, uh, what was I saying? That Knobloch has that big name. You We're renovating my house, by the way, so I could easily dispose of your body and Good. no one would ever find you. You should. There's a... I'll lock you in the porta john Yeah, you're going to lock me in the porta john Yeah. All right. So how are you going to do that when I throw you in a cement truck? You'll be dead before then. Yeah, okay. Oh, so Drew Roberts Knobloch. Drew that sound Roberts Knobloch. Remember, I'm going to let the voters see all these stats when they're voting. Drew Roberts Knobloch. 
Sorry for the coughing, my allergies. It's always his allergies. I had bad allergies. You're just it, a dirt monger. That's up what it through is. the win- until the winter's over, until like maybe midwinter, I'll say I had bad allergies. You don't shower. That's why you're sick all the oh, time. I hate your guts. You're... I hate you so much. Oh, I hate you. I hate you. Can you watch <laughs> my kid? <laughs> Does that sound fair? Um. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, why? I mean. Do you, do you just want to put Nick Green on here and take Not Black no, off? I don't. Do you know what's going to be really fun when when all said and done, and we, I plan on doing like a baseball field with all their pictures and names to show the the starting players. I'm already envisioning like we have Chris Carter playing first, and my guess and my pick is going to be Stephen Drew playing second base. Like imagine when this team rounds out how bad it's going to be i'm not voting for brian roberts he should i'll put him on the list but i'm not voting for him i'm going to vote for steven drew i think it's going to be another landslide but i do think brian roberts is going to get a lot of votes i don't know man i think chucky i think i think nobby's gonna i think he might make a run for it here so you don't even want to put him on the list you want to replace him with nick green but you think he could possibly win because i'm saying i'm Looking at it, how people are going to vote. All right. So is that final? Do we have our top three nominees? You want to go Knobloch, Nick Green, no. and uh, Chuck Taylor? <laughs> Steven Drew, Brian Roberts, Chucky Knobloch. All right. Top three to vote on on Tuesday. Fine. Deal? Voting opens 11-21. Tuesday. That's fair. Uh, because, I mean, if you we're gonna have fun, if you want to have fun with this, do you want people debating over Nick Green or no, Enrique exactly. Wilson, or do you want them fighting over Stephen Drew and Chuck Knobloch? Absolutely. It's not like we put Robinson Cano on the list, where we're a couple of idiots that are like, who Robinson Cano would have been the greatest <coughs> second baseman and maybe still is in Yankee history based on his numbers alone. So, there you have it, folks. Oh, we're getting tweets why we didn't put Jason Giambi on the list. <laughs> yeah, that like, kid was pissed. Like, like, he took HGH, man. So did Andy Pettit. <laughs> Let's gonna, not get into that. Are we going to put Andy Pettit on the list? No, I love him. Roger Clemens going on the list? Biggest biggest juice monkey since Hulk Hogan? <laughs> <laughs> All right, lastly, before we wrap up, we do have a winner on our uh, giveaway. Let's preface it what are we why are we giving something away though why three thousand followers and remember when we did our first podcast we gave away tickets to a yankee game because we hit 100 followers and that was only back in august and here we are a few days from thanksgiving with three thousand thirty-nine followers followers. unbelievable i couldn't even i i thought we would have not even sniffed this number at the end of next season and we'll and I'll bring this up. Um, it's official, but we're not fully on the network yet. It'll probably be next podcast, but we did get contacted by Andrew at Armchair All Americans. Uh, check out their site, armchairallamericans.com. You go on this site, there's everything there. I mean, they have media in. Almost every single big professional collegiate city, uh, they want us as their media show to represent the Yankees. Um, 
and we were honored to join them. So we'll be fully up with them. Uh, this will be the MIY Sports Talk podcast presented by the Armchair All-Americans on the Armchair Media Network. Every so time that's... you say Armchair All-Americans, I think of the song that the girls sang in Pink Houses or whatever. No, in A League of Their Own. Never saw that movie, nor will I ever. Um, you're the worst person I've ever met in my life. Can we can we do an episode devoted to baseball movies? Yes, I will destroy all of them. How? But you don't watch any of Except them. Except for sixty-one. And how are you going to make the an, dream? How are you going to make an accurate assessment of any baseball movie when you've never seen any of them? Just shut up. So we hit three thousand followers. We put out a tweet that people had to retweet, and they were going to win a couple frosted Yankee shot glasses. The winner is at Diane Pavlik. So we're not going to tweet who won. We're going to let you listen to the podcast. When you hear that you won, shoot us a direct message. We'll get your information, and we will send everything to you. So congratulations to Diane. Thank you for supporting us. Thanks for following us. And thanks for retweeting. We appreciate it. Christian, you got anything to say? Can we wrap this wrap this up, please? All right. Uh, so our first major holiday at NYY Sports Talk. So we want to wish all the listeners a very happy Thanksgiving. We hope uh, you have a very happy Thanksgiving with your family. <laughs> yeah. I was going to try to use big words, but... But you're an idiot, but so I'm an idiot. Yeah. Did you see Justice League yet? No. But you're gonna lay ever. Yeah. Again, movies that he wants to form an opinion on, but he won't go see. Ugh. I don't have time to watch movies. I'm <laughs> I'm doing other things like learning how to use the internet. Yeah. No, I've already learned. Alright, yeah. so uh like I said, I don't know if Chris cares enough about any of you to wish you a happy Thanksgiving, happy but Thanksgiving, I Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy I do. Thanksgiving, you know, you know, have a good time. Did we say what the what the award was? Yeah. So you don't listen to anything I say when I talk. You get too distracted. What am I distracted by? The Giants. Oh yeah. Well, you should. You know what? So he he talks about, you know, who cares about our followers and listeners, but you don't even care enough about them to devote all of yourself to this podcast when we record. I can do two things at once. I'm like, you. No, you can't because you don't even – you've been asking me questions that I've been talking about. That's different. I'm paying attention to what I have to pay attention <laughs> yeah. to. And paying attention to me <coughs> is different. Selfish. No, I'm not selfish. I don't want to hear this crap. <laughs> uh. You're, I don't know who I fight with more. You or my wife. Do you? Maybe you guys should go to support groups together. We just text each other about how much I know we you. you. I know so. you do. And then your wife texts me. No, she doesn't. I know. She, she doesn't. loves me. She loves you too much. She does. Anyway, um, so we're giving out shot glasses. We thought it would be a nice tie-in. Toast to 3,000, right? There you go. And be and besides, what better way to get through a weekend with your family than being drunk? So now you got something. Unless you're <laughs> under 21, Diane, then you can use it for milk and cookies or something. Or just use it as a display piece. Right. Beautiful. They're frosted glasses. They're not shot glasses. What does it say on the box? Frosted. They're frosted novelty glasses. There you go. You're the degenerate that thinks they're used (laughs) for drinking. Anyway, congratulations, Diane, for winning the shot glasses. Be sure to listen to the podcast. Tweet at us when you find out you're the winner. And we'll get your, uh, your mailing information and send them out to you. 
Again, thank you for everybody. I mean, it's been so humbling, honestly. I, I know a lot of the time people that know me think I'm a I'm an egotistical type of guy. I'm always running my mouth and stuff, but geez, it's all for fun. It's all, but honestly, the growth of this and to be presented with the opportunity to represent a company like Armchair All Americans to be their official audio provider for the Yankees as they try to expand and because mainly <coughs> what their their deal is is that they're collegiate right they started they got big through the collegiate and that they want to become a bigger force in professional sports and they want us to bring their Yankee content to their providers I mean it's awesome it is we're excited so thank you to everybody that follows us you know wherever you can Find the podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Play. That's where we are. Find us. Subscribe. I mean, subscribe. And, um, if you go on our website at myysportsoc.com, we started a Yankee ticket raffle. If you join that raffle throughout the year, we'll be giving away Yankee tickets based off of that list. So... Uh, make sure you subscribe there as well, and you'll you know you'll always know when a podcast is coming out for you to listen. And with Christmas coming up, what would make a better gift to your family than some NYY sports or Hanukkah merch or Hanukkah or Hanukkah or, or Kwanzaa any of the... or just because you feel like spending your hard-earned money and supporting NYY sports talk? Uh, go to the website, and there's a shop button. It'll take you right over to our store. Get some merch. Make great holiday gifts or just because you just want to support your boys at NYYST. But again, uh, next podcast, we're going to do the shortstops, right? Shortstop. This is going to be tough. I agree. Because we had one shortstop during the entirety of what we're doing here. It's going to be insignificant playing time for these guys. We're really going to have to script the bottom of the barrel of this. Maybe, Maybe it should just be one guy. Brandon Ryan. Maybe we can even just do shortstops and third baseman together. No. We need a guy at each position. No, I'm we'll saying. We'll figure it out. In one I, show, I get do shortstops and do third baseman. I get what you're saying. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. All right. So thank you again for listening. This has been episode 17 of the NYY Sports Talk. Jeez, I almost made it through the whole show without stuttering. <laughs> uh, the NYY Sports Talk podcast. Please follow me directly at Christian underscore NYYST. Follow Chris at Chris Jr. underscore NYYST. Almost made it through the whole podcast without mentioning the fact that Stack Guy Rye is not here, so Again. you don't have to follow him anyway. <laughs> and then follow us at NYY Sports Talk. Thank you again. Have a happy Thanksgiving, and thanks for listening. Chris, say goodbye. Peace!